0: This is That's in the Bible.com.
1: That's in the Bible, episode 116. Abortion?
0: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is that at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims. Christians away, Jesus
1: is coming. Hello, welcome back to That's in the Bible. You've tuned into a podcast that really takes a look at what the Bible has to say on a variety of different topics. Um, we use scripture on this program, so you'll be turning to a lot of different scriptures today, and uh, that's a good thing. Rather than taking somebody's word for what something says, we encourage you to get your Bible. and. Best of all, if you have a King James Bible, that's what we'll be using, to look up those scriptures and follow along with us as we study today's topic, abortion. But before that, let me introduce our pastors here that are with us today, and uh, starting with Pastor Scott Strobel from Lockport, New York, sir. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks for joining us again, and how are things in Lockport?
2: Things in Lockport are well. Weather is beautiful, and the Lord is keeping us uh, busy. Amen.
1: Uh, you know I like this type of weather. Uh, it's nice and sunny here in Central New York. It's so sunny and dry that I really haven't had to mow the grass because it's been dying, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm okay with that. Actually, it's it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of a reprieve. Of having to mow. I hear you. Also joining us today is Pastor Matt Sutton up in the Arctic, up in Alaska, the North Slope. Um, you probably aren't mowing grass up there, are you, Matt?
3: <laughs> no, not right now. We we do have some beautiful flowers out there. We got some, and it's amazing that flowers can grow out here, but um, right now it's about 39 with the wind chill, um, I think 44 without the wind chill, but so it's not too bad. We got some uh, sun and uh, we've had a lot of smoke, actually that's been coming through if you look at the news at all there's been uh, I think like 20 fires started all throughout Alaska uh, with lightning strikes and things like that so it was coming through Fairbanks and then now has come up to Point Hope and for about two to three days straight it's just like a like a blanket fog of just smoke you know so you go out there and it it doesn't smell the greatest and it's not the best I'm sure for your lungs but uh, it's finally cleared up here the last couple days so we got a little sunshine and out and able to smell some flowers, we get these uh, like little tiny purple flowers, yellow flowers, uh, white flowers. So it's it's nice to finally you have those for about a week or two, and then they die off, and then you just get a little little tundra grass and and things like that. But uh, so at least we got we got a little uh, nice weather to enjoy. So praise the Lord for that.
1: Amen. Are uh, th- are the whaling festivities are those over now or?
3: Yeah, those are all over. They just had their, they have a couple days here of celebrating 4th of July and things. And uh, they uh, they have the boat races and things like that where they, of course, use the traditional whaling boats and things uh, that they have for the cruise. You know, they're all uh, seal skinned. Um, on the schedule it had that they were gonna do it at six o'clock, you know, six PM. So my son and I went down there on the four wheeler, you know, and there was nobody there. And I was like, Well, okay, well, usually they're late, so let's go down at six thirty. So we go down at six thirty and every single time we'd leave the house, my daughter would be crying, you know, she's uh, not even two years old yet. So I'm like, Well this is the last time we're gonna leave because she is she wants to go and it's not good for her to, you know, be heartbroken every time. So we go down there's nobody there again. Well, I'll come to find out that they didn't start that until like eleven p.m. at night. So I'm glad mm-hmm. we didn't keep going down every half hour to try and figure it out. But, but that's how everybody is here. I mean, you got a schedule of okay, we're gonna do something at six p.m. It doesn't start until eleven, <laughs> and they <It's>, admitted that
1: <laughs> it's a different culture, really, isn't
3: it? <laughs> yeah, it's just well, whenever we get to it, we get to it, you yeah. know. So the more relaxed. We, we have what we,
1: to, we have to deal with yeah. in New York.
3: Yeah, we you know I mean our services start here. We 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 might you know start maybe five minutes ten minutes late depending, but other than that, you know, a lot of people will show up thirty minutes late forty minutes late, and it's pretty it's pretty common.
1: Now, if someone's tuned in for the first time and they're hearing you talk about Alaska and up in the Arctic and the North Slope, uh, you guys aren't living in igloos, correct?
3: <laughs> no, no, they. But the neat thing is, they used to live in sod houses. So what they used to do is they used to. Um, get the whale bones and uh, they used to find some driftwood and things like that and you can still see remnants of sod houses and actually there is uh, almost a complete sod house still left here that you can go and see at the old village they had they had moved the village uh, further away from the ocean because the uh, the ocean is uh, encroaching upon the land and and things like that so they've had to move it but you can still see some of the remnants of the old village uh, which is pretty neat so that's about uh, less than a mile away from uh where we live right now. So, so it's neat to go see just, it's just unbelievable to me, you know, negative 40, negative 80 degrees Fahrenheit with the wind chill. They were able to survive in those sod wow. houses. Just, just unbelievable.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is something else. That's something else for sure. And, and usually pastor Stephen bear from the uh, Buffalo area joins us and he's not with us today. I understand he's on the road.
2: Yes, I understand that as well, heading to a uh, school reunion.
1: And uh, what reunion would that be?
3: I was going to say 80-year, but I don't think it's that much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's the 50th year. Yeah,
1: 50th year, and amen, and um, bless the Lord, he's here to to go to it, and I'm sure he'll be a good witness while he's there as well. Well, last week, uh, not last week, last time we got together, we put a uh, a new um, game show type thing together um, where the King James Bible would take on all comers as far as new Bible translations go. And um, the King James Bible, uh, let's see, there were three questions the last time we played and a bonus question, and the three questions were... Uh, the first question was 2 Samuel 21, 19, who killed Goliath? The New Bible said someone else other than David killed Goliath. King James uh, got that correct. Question two was um, Luke two thirty-three, where the New Bible said his father and his mother by attacking the doctrine of the virgin birth. The King James specifically said Joseph and his mother, not his father. And then question three was Mark 10.24, where the New Bible said it was very difficult or almost impossible to get into the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God. The King James Bible made a distinction saying how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God in Mark 10.24. So we saw that the New Bibles all have errors in them, and we saw that on our last episode of The Sword versus the Spear. And then the bonus question was Matthew seventeen twenty-one, which says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting? And all the new Bibles take that out. So today we're going to do another episode. But before we, we actually do another episode of the Sword versus the Spear, Pastor Strobel came up with the title for the Sword versus the Spear. And Pastor Strobel, where, where did that come from?
2: Well, we're looking at the sword of the Spirit, first of all, which is the Word of God. And um, we believe and are persuaded and have studied and proved uh, conclusively to our own hearts and and minds and souls that uh, the King James is God's inspired and preserved Word in the English language. And the rest of uh, the English language translations uh, fall short. And so the sword of the Spirit is the King James. And it's going up against um, another lesser potent type weapon, uh, the newer versions, and those are the spear. So the sword's King James, the spear's the uh, newer versions. And the reason I came up with the spear is I've often been taken in by the passage dealing with David's mighty men, when you have Benaiah, and he was the one that um, slew two lion-like men of Moab, and also went down, slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. And then it says this about him in Second Samuel 23, verse 21. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man. And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. So he come, you got an Egyptian. And by the way, the Bible says, you know, one to them that go down to Egypt for help. And the Lord called his son out of Egypt. And the new versions come from Egypt, Alexandria, Egypt. And the Egyptian here is uh, the, the newer, we're talking about it from the New Testament. Uh, and the Egyptian here comes with this spear. And what what he does is he plucks the spear out of him and uh, his hand, and he slays him with his own spear. So what we're doing is plucking the spear, the modern versions, out of the hands of those that uh, wield it. And we're showing by their own versions, the errors that are there and slaying them, as it were, on, on a, in a spiritual warfare with their own spear. Thus the sword uh, wins out over the spear.
1: Amen. 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 Ah,
2: I like it even better now that I know the,
1: the background of the sword <laughs> versus the spear. So today, well, I'd, I'd suggest to the folks that are listening in, if you have another Bible other than a King James Bible, grab it and play along with us and see what your Bible uh, has to say, or that other Bible other than the King James, see if it makes the errors that uh, that will most assuredly come out of this uh, of this episode. So here we go with the sword versus the spear. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Sword versus the spear. Yes, yes, the fans are a- a- eagerly awaiting to see what happens today on the Sword versus the Spear. And today, we've got the King James Bible taking on the NIV. And I believe that's the, what, New International Version, which uh, some folks are still using. So we're going to start with question number one. I think we're going to start with uh, the King James Bible. King James, if you could uh, read for us Isaiah 14, Twelve. That's Isaiah fourteen twelve.
2: All right, Isaiah fourteen twelve. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? And that's a correct
1: answer. And well, let's see what the uh, NIV has to say about um, Isaiah fourteen twelve.
3: Well. I'll get it right, too. Here's the new international version. That's me. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. How's that?
1: It's good. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is an incorrect, incorrect answer. You, you. What? Yes. You took out, uh. Lucifer and you substituted morning star in Isaiah 14:12.
3: Well, that's not that big of a deal.
1: Actually, it is. I don't know. King James, would you like to explain why or would would you rather I do it?
2: I'll give you a little I'll give some and then you can uh, right. tie up the loose ends. <laughs> but the problem is it gives Lucifer the title that belongs to Jesus. Jesus is the bright morning star. And uh, you have the reference for that handy, don't you, uh, Eric?
1: I do. Revelation twenty-two sixteen says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright
2: and morning star. And that calls Christ the morning star. So if you have a new international version, you can't tell the difference between Jesus and the devil in Isaiah 14, 12. To me, that seems like a,
1: a just a horrible thing to equate Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, with the devil.
2: It's, you know this this would speak to uh, Gail Ripplinger's thesis of uh, new age uh, Bible versions, and, uh, and and also preparation for the Antichrist to come, um, who's going to come uh, as it were uh, the Messiah. Amen. So to equate the morning star um,
1: with Lucifer is—it's just horrible.
2: And you know, two verses later, in verse fourteen, you see what uh, caused him to be to fall in the first place, and that was, "I will ascend above the heights of the clouds; I will be like the Most High." Amen. And there he is getting himself in that verse. Amen. All—all all in the. Under the auspices of making the Bible easier to understand, yeah
1: it's easy to understand how mistaken they they truly are and, and there's <laughs> it looks like there's something going on here that's not quite on the up and up you know when you when you can make these kind of changes that uh, don't have anything to do with readability so all right well, so we got a correct answer for King James and a wrong answer for NIV, a very wrong answer. Well, let's go to question number two. Question number two is Acts seventeen twenty-two, And King James, if you could read that for us.
2: Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious.
1: All right. And King James, give us a little background on what, what's happening there.
2: Well Pauls dealing with these folks these Greeks you know knowledge is a big thing um and yet um they're they're ignorant they're they're not atheists as such but they are agnostic for in verse 23 he passed by and beheld their devotions and he said i found an altar with this inscription to the unknown god whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him declare i unto you so they didn't know him and uh and he said I'm I'm declaring to you the the true god and so uh, he said you are you're too superstitious that's your problem
1: all right well let's see uh, i don't see how the niv could get that messed up that's pretty straightforward and clear niv what uh, what do you say to that yeah i think you guys will be fine with this this is acts
3: 17:22 paul then stood up in the meeting of the areopagus and said People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. There, there. How's that?
1: I'm sorry. That's an incorrect answer. Um, You substituted the word superstitious and put in religious. Um, Yeah. Well, I think we can see there's nothing religious in worshiping false gods and idols. It's superstitions. So... The listeners aren't happy with that answer. So King James, you you again are correct. Still undefeated. All right, well, let's go on to question number three. Why don't we start with uh, this time we'll let NIV go first. And if you could read for us Acts chapter 8, verse 37. No problem, no problem. All
3: right, NIV here. Acts eight, verse thirty-seven. Well, hold on, hold on there. Looking, I see Acts eight thirty-six. I see. Then it goes to Acts eight thirty-eight. There's no Acts eight thirty-seven. <laughs>
1: NIV. Are you saying that there is, in fact, no Acts eight thirty seven in your Bible? Well, no, but
3: you know, you don't have to read as much if you take some verses out.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> that 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 would be true, I guess, in in a uh, weird kind of way. Um, but let's go to the uh, our King James Bible. <clears throat> King James, uh, do you have Acts eight thirty seven?
2: I do. And it says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. He answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's a correct response.
1: Correct response. Now, King James, what's the significance of that verse not being in the New Bibles?
2: Well, in verse 36, they were uh, going down there, and, and Philip had been preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, Jesus and they're going down along the way and they came across uh, some water and the eunuch says um, see here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized so if you re if you're reading this in the NIV you go from that to verse 38 where uh, the, he commands the chariot to stand still they go down in the water and, and Philip uh, baptizes him but that means he baptizes him without a confession of faith and the confession of faith is verse 37. This guy gets baptized without even getting saved in um, in the NIV. Mm. So the the key is you got to believe with your heart and 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 believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe on Him as your Savior. Uh, baptism in the Scriptures comes after salvation, and that's why we call it believer's baptism. Whereas a lot of us grew up in religions where uh, we got baptized as a ritual. Uh, before we even knew we were saved, before we even knew anything about we were saved, I got baptized before I even knew anything about anything because I was just a baby. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, I think it's clear. Out uh, the, the three questions today, um, NIV has struck out with zero points. <laughs> NIV, we're going to give you one more chance. We're going to give you a bonus question. So... Um, we'll, we'll have both of our, uh, our Bibles, the Authorized Version, King James, and Reigning Champion. We'll, we'll, uh, yes, thank you, King James. We'll answer that question. But first of all, we're going to have NIV, since you have zero points today, um, we're going to have NIV answer the question. Um, well, if you would just read for us Matthew chapter 18, verse 11 from the NIV.
3: Well, how about this? What if I get this right? We could do double or nothing.
1: I'm sorry, we don't gamble here on the That's <laughs> in the Bible podcast, uh, the sword versus the spear, but uh, interesting uh, concept that you might have. But let's see how you do on Matthew 18, 11.
3: All right. All right. 18, yeah! Matthew. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, wow. There's some people in the audience that want to cheer for me. <laughs> they wow. want to cheer
1: for you to, to see if you can answer.
3: They're so nice. They they know, they know, they know that I can get this one. Matthew, well, I got the music too, that's nice. Matthew 18, 11. Okay. Hmm. I can count this, I can count this far, I can, I can do it. Hmm. I don't see Matthew 18, 11.
1: You don't have Matthew eighteen eleven? Uh... Does everybody? Yes. Well, let's see. Let's see what uh, the authorized version, the King James Bible, has for Matthew 18.11.
2: Matthew 18.11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost.
1: Oh, yes, that's a correct response. So that means... King James has gotten all answers correct and the NIV has struck out. Well, that's all the time we have today for the Sword versus the Spirit. And uh, as we saw again, the King James Bible is the still reigning champion, undefeated as usual. Folks, if you're using any other translation, I hope you see that uh, the folly of your ways, the, the new translations aren't easier to read. They're woefully inaccurate and uh, deceptive. So, King James, that's what you want to be using. So, we'll join us again next time for the Sword versus the Spirit. All right, that's the Sword versus the Spirit. Spear. Amen. Oh, spear. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> did I say spirit more than once?
2: Uh, when we were closing, I think you did. All right. Just to make sure we everybody's on the same page. I'll
1: fix that in post.
2: Can I, I'm going to give you a little post comment on that, On those last two. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, you're buying an You're supposed to be paying for a whole Bible, and you're obviously not getting it. Amen. And then, then secondly, in those cases, both of them in the numbering system, they skip verse 11. So like... In this one, it goes 10. If you're looking at it, you see verse 10, then you see verse 12. In Acts 8, you see verse um, 36, then 38. So what they do is they they leave the verse out, but then they keep the numbers, the numbering scheme to match the King James. Now, if I really believed those verses had no place in the Bible, I would adjust the numbering scheme so that, um, you know, verse uh, 12 was verse 11, and you just have one verse less in the chapter. But apparently they don't really uh, have enough conviction to do that, and they have to keep uh, in line with the standard, which is King James, the numbering system.
1: Amen. And I, we were talking before we started recording, and I, I'm always amazed that if someone's reading something else other than King James and they come across these verses that uh, have missing verses, well, I just... I would be what? What's going on here? Where's is, Where's is this verse? You know, why is it not there? So, well, let's go ahead and and get into our study. Matt, are you ready? I am, in, sure am. All right. Well, here we go.
3: Well, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, again, for everyone that uh, has taken the time out of their day to listen. Well, Let's start uh, with a word of prayer here. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to, uh, be able to do this podcast. We just pray that, again, it would be a blessing to those that are listening. Uh, most importantly, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified through it all. And Lord, you'd be with me right now, Lord, as I bring forth this message, this study. And Lord, we need your help. Lord, this is a book that is alive. Lord, we know it is, quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. But Lord, we need the author, Lord, that is divine, Lord the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us at all all truth. And Lord, we pray that you do that right now. And no matter when people are listening to this, Lord, that again that you would use your Holy Spirit, Lord, to Lord, again, guide them and Lord, help them to be able to understand the Word of God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's start here in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Uh, We're going to start here. And again, we have some things going on in this country, United States of America. Right now, it is July 7th of 2022. Just recently, uh, Roe v. Wade, of course, uh, was struck down. And the country, some of the country is in an uproar right now. And uh, people are very upset that now the options of getting an abortion are put to the states. Each state now can vote on whether they're going to allow abortions to be legal in their state or not. So again, it's not that the Supreme Court has totally ruled out that nobody in this country can get abortions, but what they have done is they've left it up to the states now. So if anybody's trying to tell you that you know the government, you know the Supreme Court has totally taken away uh, rights to abortion, that's just not true. They've given up to each state now to be able to make that decision. But what we want to look at, though, is what does God say? What does God say? So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Isaiah five twenty says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter." And That's what we've got going on in this country today. We've got a lot of evil being called good, and things that, of course, are good and used to be called good, um, but God calls them good, but the world now calls them evil, and they put darkness for light and light for darkness. And I just want to start off by saying this. The purpose of this message or this study is not to put anyone down. All right, that's not my desire. Uh, My desire is not to make anyone feel bad, especially if they have committed any of this or if they have, you know, said okay or, you know, that they believed it was okay. This is not the purpose of the message. The purpose of this study is to reveal what God says on two very important topics. So, again, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians that are calling evil good and calling good evil. Now, it says here in verse 20, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. That word woe there, the very first word in that verse, is very important. We'll just go to a couple of passages to look at this. Look at Isaiah chapter 3. Go back a couple chapters in this book of Isaiah, and look at Isaiah chapter 3. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, For Jerusalem is ruined. And Judah is fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Say ye to the righteous that it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him for the reward of his hands shall be given him. So again, when we use our King James Bible, it's got a built-in dictionary to it to be able to figure out what words mean. And if you didn't know what the word woe means, if you look at that passage right there, you can see from the context of the whole entire passage that woe is not a good thing. It says there that uh especially there at the end of verse 9, woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Uh it's it's uh again putting evil upon yourself and saying, Listen, you're in trouble. You're rewarding evil in yourself. You you're gonna have you're gonna be judged here, and the wicked are gonna be judged. Woe unto them. Look at Isaiah chapter five, and look at verse eleven. Isaiah chapter five and verse eleven says this Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp, and the vial, and the tabret, and pipe, and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Therefore, my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore... Hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. So woe here again in Isaiah chapter five verse twenty is not good. Uh, listen, what you're doing is when God says woe unto you, that means that there is judgment coming upon you for the wickedness that you've done. Now a lot of people think, well, if I do, if I commit something that is evil and I'm going to get judged by it. But God's morality goes a lot further than that. You see here again in Isaiah 5.20, it's not just committing an act in regards to you know bodily committing it, but he actually goes by your words and by your mind and your heart as well. Look at uh, Isaiah 5.20, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Again, there's judgment that is about to be meted out to anybody, whether saved or lost. Uh, if you say that something is good that is actually evil according to God. So again, the purpose of this podcast, uh, the purpose of this study right now is really first and foremost to show what is good and what is evil and that you don't have any judgment coming upon you. If If you're calling evil good, you need to stop it because God says, woe unto you. And there's judgment coming upon your head if you don't get that right. Look at Isaiah chapter eight. Now again, we've got The country, a lot of the country in an uproar right now with the whole Roe v. Wade uh, and, you know, them, of course, overturning that. And so you've got people, again, if you're working at the workplace, you're really even just at a family function or family dinner. I'm sure eventually something like this will come up, especially nowadays, right now when it's really heated And you even got the president right now against the Supreme Court ruling. And so you've got a lot of people in this country divided on this. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, yeah, it's not that big of a deal, you know? Again, are you going to call evil good and good evil? Or are you going to stick with the word of God and call good good and evil evil? And if you don't, woe to you. So Isaiah chapter 8 well, the first thing we got to see here is we have to establish, number one, where absolute truth is found. Now, truth is not relative. You know, truth is just not, you know, whatever you think. There is absolute truth. And then Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. We'll start in verse 19. Isaiah eight nineteen. And when they shall say unto you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. If you want to have the word of God, if you want to know what the truth is, again, John 17, 17, Jesus, Jesus, of course, says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You want to know what is good and what is evil? You go to the truth, absolute truth, which is the word of God. Now, I like this. I saw this quote about a week ago. And I don't know who said it, but uh, it's a great quote. And they said this, We're at a point in Christianity where people don't care if you can back it up with Bible. Their feelings, desires, and emotions override what Scripture says. They don't follow Christ. They follow self. I'm going to say that one more time. We're at a point in Christianity where people don't care if you can back it up with Bible. Their feelings, desires, and emotions override what Scripture says They don't follow Christ, they follow self. And I believe that's a great definition of where we're at in this country now. We're in this selfie generation. Everybody's taking selfies of themselves, posting them online and look at me, give me some likes, you know, and and it's all about ourselves. And again, you look in the book of Revelation and we're in the Laodicean church age where it's all about ourselves. It's all about love for ourselves and it's all about the rights of the people. And you've got people right now uh, just going out of their minds because they say, well, we've lost the right for abortion. We've lost the right. Uh, and I know there's arguments against what I'm saying here, and we'll go over a few of those arguments at the end. So stick around. Don't shut this off yet. Uh, I'll go over some of those arguments that maybe some people might be having right now. But if you go to Second Timothy chapter 3, again, a lot of people don't care what God says what the word of God says. They care more about what they feel is right. And that's what we got a lot going on in this country today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, God, of course, prophesied what the end times of the church age would be like, which we're in right now. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, know this also that in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. You hardly have any young people anymore saying thank you, thank you so much. It says they are unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And that's what we got going on today. That's what you've got, uh, again, happening in this country. Now, look at me uh, to uh, Psalms chapter 119, the book of Psalms, chapter 119. Now, if you're looking for what God says, and I understand that there's people out there that could care less what God's word says, all right? Uh, uh, of course, that's terrible and, and we're praying that you come to the truth and you, of course, want to be able to obey your creator because one day you'll be judged by him. Uh, but for those of us that are saved, that that know for sure we're going to heaven and that want to know what God says on this situation or any situation, this is one of the greatest verses on how we should live our lives to, be, to of course, please God. Psalm 119 and verse 128. Psalm 119. Verse 128 says this, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. If you want to be a Christian that, of course, uh, God is pleased with, this is exactly one of the life verses you should have. That... I esteem all thy precepts, his word is of God here, concerning all things. Not just, you know, what we feel like, well, we'll pick and choose what God says. But uh, I know he says this over here. I'm not going to apply that, you know, but I'll apply this part of the Bible to my life. No, we got to apply all things to be right. So whatever God says, it's right. And what I want you to, uh, again, see is that maybe even the world or most of the world is for certain things that are wrong according to God even they might be legal right there they might be they're, they're legalizing of course alcohol they' they've they're legalizing um, uh, of course uh, marijuana for many states now and things like that to be able to go ahead and just you know consume that if you want does that mean it's right according to God just because it's legal or just because even possibly a majority of the world thinks it should be legal or should be okay to take um, I want you to see here that Even though there might be a lot of people that are for abortion right now, does that mean it's right? And when you look at um, the different things, especially in history, let's take this for example. Uh, The majority of the world thought that the earth was flat (laughs) way back when, right? And of course, they didn't figure out that the world was round, until around the 1500s when Magellan sailed around the earth. They they said to the Magellan, listen, you're going to fall off the end of the earth if you try and sail all the way around. There, there's no around. It's just flat. You're going to fall off the edge. And that, of course, was written in the book of Isaiah that the world was round. And that was written in 700 B.C. in Isaiah 40, 22. And it says, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Again, the majority of the world thought that uh, especially at that time and, and even into the early you know 1400s and things like that people still thought the world was flat until we were able to sail around the earth and see wow the Bible is correct and the Bible God was correct when most of the world was against God's word for uh, almost two thousand years. And so, again, just because the world says one thing doesn't mean it's right. Even the majority of the world says it's right doesn't mean it's, it is right. I'll give you another example of that. Uh, the majority of the world thought that something held up the earth. That's why you have Atlas, you know, the statue of Atlas holding up the earth or uh, other places thought that, uh, you know, the earth was uh, held up by the shell of a turtle, a huge turtle. <laughs> and, you know, that seems ridiculous to us now. But think about this. We can see satellite pictures now and images and videos of earth from outside our atmosphere because of the satellites. But before then, if you're just looking out, I mean, how would you know where the earth was in relation to space and everything? You know, you you think, well, maybe something is holding it up, like an ornament on a tree or something. Who knows? Well, of course, in the book of Job, which was written, the oldest book written in your Bible, which was written around 1720 B.C., uh, it was written there in Job 26.7, He hangeth the earth upon nothing. Uh, That's God. And uh, it's God that hang, hung the earth upon nothing. And, of course, we didn't find out that the world was round until around 1957, around there, 1950s, when we started putting satellites outside of the atmosphere to be able to see that the world was round. So uh, almost 4,000 years uh, after it's already been written in the Bible, most of the world you know thought that something was holding up the earth. It wasn't in the middle of nothing. Uh, God was always right when most of the world was wrong. And uh, just a couple more examples. How about the majority of the world thought Jesus should be killed? They hated him. They hated the fact that he was bringing forth into the light their sin. And the multitude there in Jerusalem said, crucify him, crucify him. And we, of course, know that was the wrong thing to do. And, uh, well, thank God that uh, it happened, though, and he allowed it to happen because we can get uh, redemption through that. We can have forgiveness through his blood on his finished work on the cross. But it was wrong for them to do that, even though the majority there thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, how about uh, Matthew seven thirteen? Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there at, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The sad part is is that most of the world is going to go to hell. Most of the people on this earth are wrong in regards to how they are supposed to get to heaven. Um, Or they might not even believe in heaven. They might not even believe in God, whatever. But they're still going to meet their creator one day and he's going to cast them into everlasting fire. Even though the majority of the world doesn't think that's going to happen, it will. And so it's no different today. Look with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. I mean, if you turned on the news lately, uh, especially right after this was overturned, Ro- Roe v. Wade was overturned. But even now, I mean, social media—you've got uh, even the news outlets on, say, you know, Google or Yahoo News. All you're going to see is things that uh, this is a terrible thing that the Supreme Court did, you know, overturning it and taking the rights away from women to be able to have abortions. I mean, all you see is, for the most part, most people are against uh, taking those supposed rights from the women uh, to be able to have an abortion away from them. Uh, Again, does that make it right if most of the people are for abortions? Look at Luke chapter 16, look at verse 15. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. But God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. One of the best things you could do in this world and this life that you live is you find out what's really popular in the world today. And most likely, if you go down the other spectrum, the other side of that issue, (laughs) and uh, believe something totally different, the opposite of what they, the whole world believes, most likely you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're you're going to be on the right end of it. Uh, because most of the world today hates this Bible. Most of the world today doesn't want to have anything to do with biblical Christianity or the Lord Jesus Christ or the truth. And so, of course, you got to weigh that out by the word of God and say, okay, well, but before I do that, I got to look at God's word and see if that's going to line up with, with what I'm doing. But Again, don't be surprised when you take a stand for the word of God that most of the world will be against you. And again, in regards to abortion here, don't be surprised if the majority of the world is against you when you take a stand for what God says. So let's take a look at this. Let's go to Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10. Now, I'm going to say something here. And, again, you can believe what you want to believe, and that's fine. And I know uh, there's some other Christians that believe uh, differently in regards to what I'm about to say here. Uh, but I'm going to give you the verses of why I believe what I believe. And you take it, and you pray about it, and you see, of course, what the Lord tells you. But here in Job chapter 10, verse 8, the Bible says this. Job chapter 10, verse 8. Thine hands, so this is Job talking to God, thine hands have made me... "...and fashioned me together round about, yet thou dost destroy me." So, of course, Job's going through it, and he's crying out to God and saying, God, you're the one that created me. Why are you doing all this to me or allowing this all to happen to me where I feel like I'm just being destroyed? Look at verse 9. "...Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into dust again." Hast thou not poured me out as milk and curled me like cheese? Now look at verse 11. Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. So here you've got verse 11 here where Job is saying that God clothed him with skin and flesh and has fenced him with bones and uh, sinews. So I believe, and we're going to go through some more verses here, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that when God creates a baby inside the womb, it's God doing it. And not only that, I believe that the baby has a soul inside the mother's womb. Because when he says, thou hast closed me with skin and flesh, I believe that that is his soul there. And um, and look with me here to Job Well, let's look at verse 18 real quick. Job chapter 10, verse 18. Wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost and no eye had seen me. Now, I believe, of course, there you've got the soul and you've got the ghost, which, of course, is the spirit. Um, uh, So he's saying here, when I was brought forth out of my mother's womb, why didn't I just give up the ghost then? And uh, I believe, of course, if you've got the spirit um, that God has given you, then you have a soul inside your uh, mother's womb there. Now look at me to Job 31. Job 31. So the big thing you got to see there, most people say today, well, that's not a baby inside the womb. That's just a a bunch of cells, you know, just a bunch of flesh, whatever. Uh, God has something totally different to say about it. Now, if you don't believe the Bible, that's up to you. But if you believe the Bible and you believe God and you believe God's word, I believe we need to take a stand and we need to say, hey, listen, this is wrong according to God. If you're just out there and saying, well, yeah, I don't know. I think it's up to the women what they want to do. You know, if they want to go ahead and have an abortion, that's okay. Well, wait a minute. Then you're really being complicit in saying, "Okay, that's fine. Go ahead and have an abortion when God says that's an actual living a human being that he is creating. I mean, God's hands are actually fashioning that baby in that mother's womb. And again, you're going to be calling evil good by saying, well, it's just up to them what they want to do. Uh, Really, what you're doing is you're not just aborting just a bunch of tissue. You're aborting a baby that God is creating inside that mother's womb. Look at Job 31. Look at verse 15. Did not he that made me in the womb make him? It did not one fashion us in the womb. So here you've got right here, you've got, again, I'm talking about that it was God that made him in the womb, fashioned them together in the womb. So, again, the big argument today is um, that, you know, people are arguing, well, this is not a... um, this is not a living being, or this is not a baby. The big argument also is, well, it's not a baby. So uh, what's the big deal? If it's not a baby, what's the big deal? But it is a baby. Um, look at Job. This is the verse I was looking for. Look at Job 14, verse 10. Job fourteen, ten. The Bible says, but man dieth and wasteth away. So there's his flesh. Yea, man giveth up the ghost, which is what we saw back in Job chapter 10, which, why didn't I give up the ghost when I left my mother's womb? And then it says, and where is he? We know that that mankind is a trinity, body, soul, spirit. So here you got the body dying, you got man giving up the ghost, the spirit, and then where is he? That would be his soul. And so again, when he says back there in Job chapter 10, verse 18, wherefore then hast thou brought me forth out of the womb, that's of course his flesh, Oh, that I had given up the ghost, that's his spirit, uh, and know how had seen me. Uh, if, he's got, if he's got a body and a spirit coming out of the womb, no doubt I believe he had a soul as well, and every baby does. Um, look at me to Job 33. In Job 33, look at verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Look at Psalm 139. Psalm 139. So I believe that any Christian that is for abortion or that is okay with a woman going ahead and getting an abortion, uh, they are calling evil good. And God says, woe unto you that do that. And the reason why I believe it's evil here and is because that God says that he's the one that's fashioning that baby in the womb. He's creating it. Look at Psalm 139. Look at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me, and again, I believe that's his soul, in my mother's womb. Uh, Look at verse 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. This is just wild stuff. Look at verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So God already has, even before he starts creating a baby in the mother's womb, he's got all the members of that Um, that baby or that person written in a book. (laughs) And then it's almost like he's got the recipe, if you will, or whatever, or the directions. And so that when um, that woman conceives, he's creating that baby from the members, all the information that was in that book already. So look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 73. psalm one nineteen seventy three thy hands of course god's hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments again it's it's all throughout there that God is the one that personally creates every human being in their mother's womb and gives them the soul gives them a soul so the bottom line is this you got to ask yourself a question: is it just a lump of cells when a woman has an abortion and um, according to the word of God, I truly believe that it's not just a lump of cells. It is God fashioning with his very hands the being that is perfect in his eyes. And when you have an abortion, you are getting rid of a creation of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now I'm going to say this. It is very popular today. In this world, and it's highly esteemed among people in this world today, no matter really what country you're in, uh, to push kids at younger and younger ages to start dating each other. Now, it's my belief, and you can have your own beliefs on this, but I don't think any kids should have any kind of a dating life or a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, courting, whatever you want to call it, before 17 years old. (laughs) Now, you might think I'm crazy for that or whatever, but uh, what's the purpose of dating? The purpose of dating is, and it should be according to the word of God, that you're going to find the one that you're going to live the rest of your life with, serve God with, uh, raise a family after you get married, and that is the sole purpose. But today, when parents are just saying, well, yeah, go ahead and date at 13, 14, uh, all that, I I mean, even younger than that now, and what you're doing is you're allowing your kids to get into these relationships that's putting them in danger because they're going to start wanting to do things that they should not do until they're married. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now, if you don't know what fornication is, fornication is uh, having sexual relationships outside of marriage. Look at verse 14. And God... Hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that the body which that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I remember, I think I was back in high school or maybe middle school. I can't remember when it was, but this movie uh, came out called uh, I think it's like the Forty Year Old Virgin or something like that, making fun of a man that I believe wasn't married and he was forty years old and he was a virgin, and it was just uh, just hilarious to everybody. You know that this man is forty years old and he's a virgin. Listen that is something to be commended if he's not if he hasn't gotten married and he's a virgin that's that's biblical that is to be commended but today Something that is good is now called evil, even worse today. It's even more called evil, and you're strange and you're weird uh, if you remain a virgin. But God commands you to do that if you don't get married. Look at verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, when you look at most of the numbers for the reasons of why people get abortions um, it's less than 1% um, is for rape and, and things like that. And for, of course, the health of the mother and things. Um, And we're going to go over that in a second, but uh, 99% of the abortions uh, really don't have a good valid reason for it. And so what a lot of the abortions are that have come about in the whole world and especially this country Is just young kids, uh, young girls, or even, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s that are not waiting until they get married, not, you know, holding out until they talk to their husband and say, Okay, are we ready to have a baby? Instead they just say, Well let's just go do whatever we want, have fornication, commit fornication, and then we'll just get rid of the baby. Well that's not that's not biblical. That's not the way to do it. You you don't just go and, you know, do whatever you want and then kill a baby. You say, nope, I'm going to keep myself pure until I get married, until my husband and you both talk about it, ready to have a baby, and then you have that baby as a family look at Ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians chapter 5 again that is not popular at all in this country and in this world today but again uh, even though most of the world thinks that fornication is okay having sexual relationships outside of marriage does not mean that it is right and Ephesians chapter 5 verse 30 for we are members of his body of his flesh and of his bones for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. That's the whole reason why you have marriage. Um, and, of course, go to Hebrews chapter 13. Marriage is so that a husband and a wife can come together. And look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. I tell you this right now, that if we started promoting not having relationships like that, sexual relationships outside of marriage and wait until you find the right man, right woman, get married and then plan when to have your family and then have that family. I mean, we would be able to get any thoughts of abortion, uh, most thoughts of abortion out of the picture if the world would adopt that. (laughs) And again, we know that most of the world won't. um, But I mean, listen, we have to be promoting that. We have to be preaching and teaching the Word of God and not calling evil good and good evil. Now, uh, we'll end with this. Some of the main arguments, I mean, we could spend a lot of time on this, but some of the main arguments are this. Um, The first one is this, which is a big one. Uh, Most women will say, it's my body, my choice. I can do what I want, and no one should be able to tell me when and when I cannot have a baby. When I can and when I cannot have a baby. Nobody should be able to tell me that. And I agree with you. That's correct. No one should tell you or force you to create a baby in the bedroom. But listen to this. But once you create that baby, it's no longer just your body. Uh, When you have a baby inside of you, there is a body inside of your body. So when you say it's my body, my choice, well, there's also a baby inside you, a body inside you that has its own choice, too. And they should have the right to live just as anybody else because God's creating that baby inside of you. And you say, well, nobody should tell me when I can or cannot have a baby or... Well, that's true, but once you make the decision yourself to uh, fornicate outside of marriage, what happens then is it's no longer your choice. You you make the choice to either abstain or to go ahead and do it, and then, then there is consequences for your actions. And a lot of this country today a lot of the world today does not want to uh, admit that there is consequences for every action. Nobody wants to fess up. Nobody wants to take um, charge and, and understand that, you know, it's their fault. Um, And then of course take action and take care of it. Now the next um, argument that many try and justify abortion with is this. They say, what about when the mother's life is in danger? Now, I'm just going to say this right now. There is absolutely no laws that forbid healthcare workers uh, from treating miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, and uh, septic uterus. The, there is no law that stops anybody from saving the mother's life with uh, those kind of uh, those kind of health issues or, or problems in regards to pregnancy. So when somebody tries to tell you, well, now that uh, Roe v. Wade has been overturned, now there's going to be a lot of mothers, a lot of women now that can't have that abortion to save their lives because the mother's life is in danger. That's just not true. That's not, that's not true at all. Now, the last argument that I'm going to go over is this. What about women that have been raped? What about women that have been raped, either incest or whatever whatever have you? And I just want to say, first and foremost, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. I, I know some people, um, even younger children, that have been through this, and, and it is the, the one of the most horrendous things. Anyone can can go through, and I think it's terrible. And in regards to the man that, of course, did the rape, he's a sinner, and he, of course, did something evil and wicked, and uh, I believe truly that the laws of our land should be hard against him. He should. We should have some harsh rules in regards to whether or not he should be killed or get the death penalty for that or castrated, one or the other, And, uh, because he is a sinner and he committed evil. But second, I want to say this, the rape, um, uh, for that man, the rape, the man that did that rape, committed that rape, that was sin on his part. The woman was innocent. The man is guilty and he sinned. But I think one of the worst things you could do is commit another sin, uh, to be able to get rid of the baby. Now, when you... Have an abortion, you are killing the baby that's inside of you. Um and uh you're committing a sin. And so what happens here is two wrongs don't make a right. Now you might say, Well, you're not a woman, you've never gone through something like that. I understand that, but there's plenty, hundreds and hundreds of stories um of women that have been raped that that choose to love that baby and have that baby and they love the baby uh, and they grow up and they're part of the family and it's it's an amazing thing and and those people, those babies grow up and they're so thankful that their parents allow them to have life there is a, such a thing as supernatural forgiveness, according to God. You can find forgiveness for the rapist you can find forgiveness and be able to move on with your life and have that baby. God can give you that forgiveness. Um, now, if you don't believe you can have that baby, uh, to take care of it, there is such a thing as adoption and you can give that baby up for adoption. So there are other choices than just terminating the baby. And I understand this, listen, before my wife and I could have our uh, first baby, we, we've had, um, you know, struggles being able to have babies of our own. And so it was about six years before we could have our first baby, a healthy baby. Uh, Jacob it's uh, we tried for six years. We looked into abortion- we looked at not abortion. We looked into adoption, and it was gonna be thirty to sixty thousand dollars at least in lawyer fees to try and get one baby to be able to adopt a baby. Now, that's wrong. That's what's wrong with this country. That's another argument that people have. Well, you know, if you're going to get rid of abortions, then uh, you better be the first one to go, you know, adopt a baby. Listen, there's there's thousands of parents that want to be able to adopt, but they can't afford it. Who can afford thirty to $60,000? There's probably more now in lawyer fees and things to be able to get a baby. So I believe that we should now work on making... Um, adoptions so much cheaper. Now, I believe, of course, you know, they should do background checks and make sure that the place that the parents want to adopt the children uh, and bring them the homes are good homes for the baby to go to or the young child to go to. But we shouldn't be charging parents that much money to be able to uh, bring a baby home or a child home. So last verse, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that, pre- that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm just going to say this right here. You might be a Christian, you might not be a Christian that is listening to this right now, and you might be totally against what I've been saying here from the Word of God uh, and you have been always thinking that you know it should be the woman's right to choose whether or not she's going to abort her baby or not. All I all I want to do right now is just plead with you to look this over again. Take up take your King James Bible, find a King James Bible, get one online, whatever you have to do, and look at these verses, all the ones that I gave you. And pray about it and let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. And it says there in verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Lord Jesus Christ can renew your mind according to his will and so that you're not calling evil good and good evil. Amen. Thank you, guys.
1: Amen. Thanks, Matt, for this uh, timely Bible study and timely topic. Uh, Let's go to Pastor Strobel.
2: Amen. It definitely is a timely topic, and really it's been for the last however many years um, since uh, Roe versus Wade in the first place and and even before that. And because of um, the acceptance of abortion in society, um, the procedures of doing it, having one, Uh, discussing it. People have become very flippant about it. I remember a radio program, and this has been, it could have been 20 years ago now, but it's been a while. Uh, There used to be a lady on the radio. She had a call-in program, Dr. Laura. Some of you might remember her, Um, and she really took a pretty good stand for morality, but I remember a guy calling in and talking to her about him and his girlfriend. They're trying to figure out what to do because you know they they want to mess around before marriage and they but they've been doing it and then she got pregnant and they want to be able to do that and not get pregnant and how 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 to go about it and and Dr. Laura asked her well what did you do about when she got pregnant or what did you do about the um, pregnancy and the guy said uh, we deleted it
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and mm-hmm. she was taken aback even by just the flippant attitude so now it's come down to you know, just like you delete a word or a file on your computer, you delete that uh, baby. Yeah. And uh, it was not deleted. It, it was aborted. Yeah. You know, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 13, basic of the Ten Commandments, the Lord says, Thou shalt not kill. And when an abortion takes place, <clears throat> there was something that was alive inside of the mother that was, although joined to the mother, was a separate uh, entity. Um, and after the abortion procedure, that thing is dead. Man. So, so there's a, a killing that takes place, a, a murder. Now, in Job, um, Brother Matt quoted a lot from Job. I'm going to go a little bit earlier in Job, when Job gives his first uh, dissertation in chapter 3. As he's going on, um, he's lamenting the fact that he was even born because of everything that he's going through. And and uh, it's a whole whole other study, you know, about what Job went through. But here's what he said in verse 16, Job 3:16. He says, or as an hidden untimely birth, I had not been. Um, You know, I I, I wouldn't have uh, come out and I wouldn't have had to live this life. I wouldn't have been. Or as an hidden untimely birth, I had not been. He, He continues to expound and he says this, as infants which never saw light. So he refers to a birth, somebody, you know, that was alive and then maybe died in the womb or was stillborn as infants which never saw light. Job refers to those as infants. And I find that very instructive. Um, An infant is a baby. We have infants in the Bible on the other side of that, which are um, alive. And here he talks about infants which never saw light. Now, while the baby is in the womb, uh, as you know, uh, and Matt was talking about how they call it, you know, a bunch of tissue and uh, cells, etc. And what they generally referred to it is, as is a fetus. Now, to me, fetus is one of those, it's just an awful word in the English language. It's, there's some words in the English language when I hear them, they just, they're, they're very grating and, 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 and harsh. And, um, you know, it's, it's something, something feels like, you know, even dying inside of me. And that's one of them. Uh, the, the word divorce, I remember as a child hearing that and it was just such a, A hard and difficult word, um, you know, of what somebody's going through. And fetus is like that. They like to say fetus because it takes away from the fact that there is a living infant uh, inside of that uh, mother. And furthermore, in regard to what's growing inside of the mother being more than a fetus, I'm going to give you some other uh, verses here. First in Luke chapter 1 and verse 41. And it says, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary. Now Elizabeth comes to Mary, or Mary comes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, you know, she's got uh, John the Baptist uh, growing inside of her. And if I remember my timing correctly, she's about six months uh, pregnant. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. So In the womb, I mean, the Lord never uses that term fetus, never infers or implies or states that it is anything other than a living baby, child, or infant. In Job, it's said to be an infant. In Luke here, it's said to be a babe. And the word babe is, uh, of course, like our word baby, and uh, the King James uses that word babe. It doesn't use baby, but it it uses babe, and it's the same idea. In Luke chapter 2, Mary now, she's expecting, and it says in Luke 2 verse 5, that she's going to be taxed, or Joseph is going to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. When a woman's expecting, we say she is with child. Now Mary's great with child, and she's about to be delivered of that child. But um, even before that, after it was discovered that she was expecting, when she was not nearly that far along, it says in Matthew 1.18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, and, then, and he's going to give you the big picture of it, but well, well before the birth, it says, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So when it was discovered that she was pregnant early on, And that's when Joseph was going to, you know, being a just man, was going to put her away privily um, and not bring, you know, reproach upon her reputation, et cetera, and cause trouble. But um, it says before they came together, she was found, it says, with child, with child. So the baby, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, growing inside uh, was said to be a child. So those are the proper and biblical terms. Um, An infant in the womb a babe in the womb, and a child in the womb. And these are things that need to be considered. And um, another thing that needs to be considered is the long-term repercussions for the uh, woman that has an abortion. And while some of them may have a conscience that's seared with a hot iron, many of them, a a great many of them, go through turmoil, regretting, wondering, questioning, um, you know, should they have done that. And while people want to blame a lot of that on, you know, the people that are against it, telling uh, everybody that it's wrong. I mean, there's stuff going on inside of that woman that is just, it's her conscience and the Holy Ghost that she's battling. Because cause deep down, you know, she, she wonders and she worries and is concerned. And the good news is, as I think Brother Matt also tried to make clear out to everybody, is that even if you have gone through that, I mean, the Lord can forgive you. There's all kinds of sins, and God can forgive every one of them. Amen. And... The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if you'll come to Jesus as a sinner, knowing that you, you need a Savior and believe on him as your Savior, whatever sins you've committed, he'll wash them away and he'll be your Savior, forgive you, save you from hell, and give you a home in heaven. And, um, and then your conscience will be purged with the blood of Jesus Christ. And um you'll have the peace of God that you're that you need that's what folks need. they need peace, amen. but you can call it what you want, say what you want. um you know there is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked amen amen
1: and uh if I could just add a couple of things, you know the um the babe in the womb um, has has its own blood, its own bloodstream. the mother's blood does not mix with the baby's mm-hmm. blood. And uh, that's why you have God's blood when Jesus was carried by Mary. Um, Amen. 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 So the other thing, uh, Pastor Strobel, I know you were in um, Luke 1, it, just a few verses down, for verse 44, it says, For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So there's Amen. there's an emotion connected there as well with that babe. Amen. Amen. Um, and I know that they've, talked about that, um, and this isn't necessarily Bible, but they've talked about that when abortions are performed, that, uh, there's some evidence that the baby feels pain. Um, Man. so, you know, there's, there's a lot to this. And, um, if, if you, you've maybe been on the other side of this issue and now you're maybe thinking, Oh, maybe there is something to it. You know, when, when I hit things that are I'm not sure about in scripture. I, I I try to go the way of well. You know what? I'm if I'm not sure about, it, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the thing that <laughs> that I'm not sure about. It's better to I think err on the side of caution and and say mm, I'm I'm gonna hold off on that. So, but anyway, Matt, thanks. Good study and a timely study and uh, Amen. Appreciate it. Amen. All right. Well. What are we at here? We're a little over an hour and 15 minutes into the podcast, and uh, we want to thank you for joining us today on That's in the Bible. Again, if you have a topic you'd like to see covered uh, from the Bible, you can uh, send me an email at eric at com. Go to our website at com, and uh, there's uh, different ways there that you can um, contact us. And uh, please leave a review for us. If you haven't left a review, please do that too. Steve, we'll look forward to having you join us again next time. Hope your 50th reunion was a, was a good one. And um, Lord willing, we see everybody again real soon. All right, guys, thanks again.
0: soon be o'er, happy forevermore, when we meet on that shore, free from all care, rising up in the sky, telling this world goodbye, homeward we then will fly, glory to share. Shall rise righteous be dead. in the skies going where, going where going no one dies heavenward bound, Jesus is coming, coming soon morning or night or, night or noon Many will many meet, will meet their doom the Trumpets will trumpets sound, will surely sound all of the dead shall rise righteous. But